Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. That's me, Dr. Jeff, and this is my podcast, and it's mostly for the parents of children who are being treated for cancer or leukemia, but it's also for anyone else who's interested. Anyway, today I want to talk about fevers. Fevers. This is perhaps the most important episode of my podcast series. This is the one that can be life-saving, okay? And this is how things go. So, a child is found to have cancer or leukemia. And they've had all their biopsies and they've had tests and they've had central lines put in and all sorts of things done. And, you know, eventually we get to talk to the family and to tell them what's going on and what we're going to have to do and what the chemotherapy will be and if there's going to be surgery or radiation. And we go through all of that stuff. But then we start talking about fevers all the time. I mean, all the time. I mean, every time the patient goes home, we say, now, remember, let us know if there's a fever. You know, the nurses are all saying, has there been any fever? Did you take the temperature? Before you can even ask a parent how you're feeling today, it's, what's your child's temperature today? Everyone's talking about fever all the time. And people start to think, well, what's this all about? I mean, my child is being treated for cancer or leukemia. And maybe they didn't even have a fever at the start of this whole thing. But all of a sudden, the only thing people will talk about is a fever, a high temperature. What's this all about? Well, today I want to explain what it's all about. But before I do that, I'm going to stress once more that this is potentially the most important thing that the parents of a child with cancer or leukemia can do. And that is, let us know if there's a fever. So here's the situation. There's two big reasons why we have to react to a fever more urgently in a child on chemotherapy than we do in any other child, right? Any other child gets a fever, yeah, we take the temperature, we see what's happening, you know, maybe they're getting a cold, maybe they're coming down with something, you know, we don't all have to totally freak out. But when a child who is on chemotherapy gets a fever... We really want to hear about it straight away. We want to hear about it at 2 o'clock in the morning. If the temperature's over about 38 or 38.5, whatever a given unit sets as its magic figure, we want to know about it. And very often it'll be a case of, you come to hospital now, please. Don't run through traffic lights, you know, red lights. You know, don't have to madly panic. But you don't wait around for an hour or two and think about it. No, it is come now. And I'll explain why. The two big reasons. The first reason is that most children on chemotherapy have a central line. Now, I've done a podcast on central lines, and you can listen to it there, but a central line is a piece of plastic, after all, that a surgeon has inserted under the skin, up to the big vein in the neck, and then down towards the heart. So this is a foreign body, an artificial device that's in the body, and... A lot of central lines come from outside the body, through the skin, and then into that big vein. And really, that's a pretty good way for an infection to get into the bloodstream. We're going to be meticulously sterile in caring for central lines. We're all going to do our best, and parents are going to do their best. But the fact remains, this is a good way for bacteria, germs, 
to get into the bloodstream from the outside world. And they're not getting into the bloodstream and into your big toe or something. No, they're getting into a big, huge vein, right into the thick of the bloodstream where bacteria love to be. And once they're in the bloodstream, well, then they're able to proliferate and cause a severe infection. So that's the first reason we have to respond to fever urgently. It's because there's a central line, and so if a fever develops, sure, it might just be a cold, but it might be a bacteria that has got into the bloodstream. And that's not the sort of thing you can just sit on for a few hours. That's the sort of thing you want to give antibiotics for. Now, the second reason why we have to react urgently to fevers is because children on chemotherapy have an immune system that's not normal. So remember our immune system is made up of all our different white blood cells and a few other things, and the immune system's job is to fight infections. That's what it does for a living. When we give chemotherapy, most of the drugs will actually suppress the immune system. And in particular, they often will lead to a low level of white blood cells in the bloodstream, and particularly a certain type of white blood cell called the neutrophil. That's its name, neutrophil. It's just one of the types of white blood cells, but it's the most important one most of the time for killing bacteria. So most of the time you're running around with a neutrophil count of 2,000 or 3,000 or 8,000 or 10,000. We normally have lots and lots of these neutrophils that are running around our bloodstream and if there's a bacteria anywhere, well, the neutrophils are one of the main things that will go and kill that bacteria before it can multiply and multiply and make you sick. That's what neutrophils do for a living. But when we give chemotherapy, very often that neutrophil type of white blood cell will drop in its numbers. And it often drops, I don't know, a week after chemotherapy, 10 days, 12 days. This neutrophil count will drop and then it will increase again and usually come back to normal in time to give chemotherapy again. And then it will drop again, and then it will recover again, and then we'll give chemotherapy again. So as we're going through the treatment of childhood cancer, we are going through multiple periods of time where this neutrophil count, this type of white blood cell, is quite low in the bloodstream. And it might be 1,000 or 500 or 200. It can be really low. It can be zero. You know, there are times when we look at a blood slide and we can see plenty of red blood cells, but we just can't see any neutrophils there. Now, this is normal. This is expected. It's a side effect of the chemotherapy, but it is a problem because now if a bacteria gets into the bloodstream, there's no defense. There's nothing there to kill the bacteria. And that's why an infection can spread and become more and more serious. And that's why we need to see the patient urgently and get them started on antibiotics, antibiotics to kill the bacteria. And we want to get them started before the patient's sick. We want to get them started just when they've got a bit of a fever, and that's about all. See, I have a theory that all of us have bacteria that get in our blood sometimes. I don't know how often, maybe every day. If you bite your tongue, the bacteria in your mouth are probably going to get into your bloodstream, right? Our mouth is full of bacteria. Our intestines are full of bacteria, lots of bacteria in the intestines. In fact, it's normal to have them there. You've got to have them there. 
They're important to how we make vitamins and things. Our skin is covered in bacteria. Our eyes probably have bacteria. Our nose is full of bacteria. There are bacteria everywhere. Now, most of the time they don't cause a problem because they don't really get into our system in any sort of serious numbers. But even if they do get into our bloodstream because we bit our tongue or because we swallowed a chicken bone or we scratched our eye or we brushed our teeth too hard, whatever it is, bacteria might get into the blood, but we have neutrophils. We have these white blood cells that can kill the bacteria before they can multiply and multiply and make you very sick. So that's what's meant to happen. If bacteria get in the blood, our white blood cells kill them, end of problem. But like I said, after chemotherapy, patient might have a low neutrophil count or even a zero neutrophil count. No capacity to kill these bacteria and so the bacteria can party on, proliferate madly and make the patient sick. So they're the two reasons we have to respond urgently if there's a fever. The first is that a central line is a way for a good dose of bacteria to get into the bloodstream and make the patient sick. The other is that the patient may well have an impaired immune system, a low neutrophil count, and so will not be able to kill off bacteria, and so the bacteria can multiply and multiply and multiply and spread throughout the body, and then believe me, bacteria can make you sick. They can make a patient septicemic, that's the expression, septicemia, and that can make a patient very sick indeed. It can lead to shock, low blood pressure. You know, you can end up in the intensive care unit. Uh, It is possible to die from infection when you have a low neutrophil count. And that's why it's a big emergency. Fever equals contact the doctors. And different hospitals have a different system for who do you call. Sometimes it'll be call the oncology fellow on call. Other units will say call the oncology ward Some will say call the emergency department. You have to establish with your unit, what is the system? If my child gets a fever, who do I call? And again, if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and the temperature's 39 degrees or 38.5, whatever the cutoff is for your unit, even if they look really well, otherwise it doesn't matter. You've got to be in touch. Even if you're walking into that concert where you're lined up in the snow to buy the tickets overnight and you're finally going into the concert, too bad. Fever equals contact the doctors. And then probably you're going to end up coming to the hospital and maybe to the emergency department or to the oncology ward or the oncology clinic, whatever the system is. What's going to happen when you get there? Well, probably the doctors are going to have a quick look at the patient. They're going to have a quick look, take the pulse, take the blood pressure, check that the blood pressure and all that is okay. Then they'll probably take some blood tests things called blood cultures and these are blood samples that are put into special bottles to incubate and so if there are bacteria in the blood they can proliferate in the blood culture bottle to the point where we can detect them and then they're probably going to start antibiotics. You know antibiotics that you normally take by mouth, uh, Augmentin or Amoxyl or Keflex or you know antibiotics that people normally take when they've got a bacterial infection in the ear or something like that. Well, we're talking about much bigger, stronger antibiotics than those. Antibiotics that are given into the vein via the central line usually. Oftentimes we give 
two antibiotics. Some units give one, some give two, but they're pretty fancy antibiotics that can kill lots of different bacteria, including very special bacteria that can occur in neutropenic patients. That's probably what's going to happen. A quick evaluation, blood samples, blood cultures, start antibiotics. And usually this isn't the sort of thing where we want to be meticulous and look all over for the source of the infection and send them off for an x-ray and wait for all these tests to come back and take hours over this. Most of the time we want to get these antibiotics started promptly because at this stage we're not to know if there's a bacterial infection in the blood. So we have to respond as though there is. Give antibiotics. Kill any potential bacteria. Now, it might turn out that it's really a virus, you know, that the patient's coming down with a cold and the next day they get a runny nose and they start sneezing and it becomes obvious, well, that was all a virus. But until you know that for certain, usually we have to respond to kill bacteria and that's what the antibiotics are for. There might be other things that have to be done at the time. Like I said, bacteria in the bloodstream can make a patient quite sick and we're talking now about that condition called septicemia and that can lead to low blood pressures the whole bit so as well as giving antibiotics they may well have to give an extra dose of fluids through the central line to try to prop up the blood pressure these are sort of emergency measures by the way when we're at that situation well we're looking pretty closely at the patient and we're a little bit worried but we'll get the antibiotics started do what we have to do to stabilize the patient And then they'll be admitted to hospital and usually continue the antibiotics, see if the blood cultures really do reveal a bacterial infection in the bloodstream. We'll want to see the temperatures settle down. We'll normally want to see the white blood cell count starting to recover. And when the patient's stable and everything's better, well, at that situation, then it might be time to be able to stop the antibiotics and get out of hospital. Oftentimes it ends up being four days or so by the time you satisfy all the rules about what makes it safe to stop the antibiotics. can be, you know, three or four days minimum. If we do find a positive blood culture, it may be longer. And if a patient was sicker, it might be longer. Now, we might eventually find where the bacteria came from, by the way. We might find that there's a bit of infection around the central line exit site or we might find a skin infection or a chest infection or a urine infection. These things all happen in the subsequent days. But in that emergency phase, it's about getting blood cultures, getting the patient stabilised, giving antibiotics, and then proceeding. Now, we spend a lot of time treating fevers in an oncology unit. There's a lot of patients coming and going and being treated for fevers. In fact, more often the patients that are in hospital in an oncology unit are in hospital for treatment of infections and fevers, not in hospital at the time for treatment of the cancer. So we spend a lot of time dealing with the side effects of the chemotherapy that are causing a low white cell count and then an infection occurs. We're doing this all the time. Now, most of the time, it all goes quite well. Patient recovers and everything goes smoothly. But that's only because we do the right things. When there's a fever, the family calls in. And then we all respond appropriately. Occasionally someone gets sicker with a fever during a period of neutropenia. Occasionally people can get very sick. But most of the time it's a manageable situation. People don't have to run through red lights on the way in. They just have to gather their stuff, come to hospital. No big delays. No waiting to watch that episode of Law and Order. No, 
you've got to come into hospital and be evaluated and usually start antibiotics. So that's why everyone's so obsessed with fever. This is the biggest risk to patients much of the time as we make our way through treatment. Infection. Very often we've got the patient into remission, there's no sign of the leukaemia, or the tumour's shrunk right down, no sign of the tumour potentially, but still we're on chemotherapy to wipe out every last bit of the cancer. And during those periods of neutropenia, low white cell counts, well, that's when this risk of infection occurs, and very often infection is the bigger risk for much of the time. So it's not to be taken lightly. That's why all the nurses are carrying on about fever all the time. Anyway, that's it from me for now. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. Uh, you'll need to check what the systems are in a given unit. Who do you call? When do you call? What do you do? And there'll be all sorts of protocols in place usually for what to do if a fever occurs. Leave some feedback at the Facebook page if you want to. Go to Facebook, look up Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. Jeff is spelt with a G-E-O-F-F. Leave a question or a comment if you like. But otherwise, I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.